Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, the Easter story according to St. Luke's Gospel. We find it there in the 24th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were very much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of men, and be crucified, and be rise again. They remembered his words, and turned from the sepulchre, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. How may the words of thy manifestations of our hearts be executed in thy sight, O Lord, our strength, our Redeemer. Amen. Good evening, friends, and by Jesus. And I need not tell you that it's a beautiful morning. And I'm to all saying, this is the day the Lord made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I know that I need not tell you all that today is Easter Sunday. But we may stop long enough today. What's all about? What's Easter all about? What's the story? What does this thing called Easter really mean? And Christian friends, in order to answer that question, let's go back to 3 o'clock on Good Friday afternoon and stand at Calvary's cross. You and I know that our Lord was crucified at 9 in the morning on Good Friday, and he died at 3 that afternoon. And then we are told that there were two men that came out of the shadows, two men who believed in him, but they were afraid for fear of the Jews. And the one man was Joseph of Arimathea, and he came and he had bought some linen for the wrapping of the body of Jesus. And he also owned a new tomb right near Calvary. And he had the boldness to go to Pilate and he asked for the body. And when Pilate knew that Jesus was dead, he gave Joseph of Arimathea the body. And then there was another man that came out of the shadows. And that man was Nicodemus who had come to Jesus by night. And he believed but he was afraid for fear of the Jews. But that man had brought, I think of it, a hundred pounds of aloes and clothes in order to embalm the body of Jesus. He came out of the shadow and he was ready to declare himself. And these two men with the women then, they removed the body of Jesus from the cross on that Good Friday afternoon and they carried him over not very far away to that new tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and then they prepared the body as best they could. They used the spices that Nicodemus had brought and they used the linen that Joseph had brought and they wrapped the body of Jesus and they put in the ointment and the cloves as they had brought. But the sun was going down in the western sky and that meant the beginning of the Sabbath and this was an unusually holy Sabbath because this was the time of the great Passover feast. And so they couldn't work very long. They couldn't get the job done. They did the best that they could and they rolled the stone in front of the sepulcher and they stood outside and they watched for a while and then they decided what they were going to do. 
Uh, since the Sabbath would last till Saturday night at sundown, they knew that there was nothing they could do at that time. But that night, on Saturday night, the women decided we're going to go to the marketplace and we'll buy whatever we need to finish the embalming of his body because he's going to get proper burial, this poor Jesus they crucified. And so on Saturday night, they went and they bought what they needed. And then they decided on early, on the first day of the week, on Sunday morning, they would go to the tomb just as fast as they could and they would try to do the best job that they could but they knew that the body would be smelling by that time and they hoped however the decomposition would not be too great and so they walked along these women there were a number of them and they went up that Via Dolorosa and I walked that road and they went there and they finally it dawned on they said well when we get there who's going to roll the stone away we women can't do it and then there was an earthquake something happened and they looked and the stone was rolled away and they didn't know what it meant and they ran and they went in and the body was gone and they were frightened they thought what you and I would have thought they thought oh God couldn't they let his body alone did they have to come and steal his body after they crucified him isn't there an end to cruelty and then there were two angels in that tomb one was at the head and one was at the foot. And then the angel said, what are you looking for? You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, aren't you? And then came the announcement, he isn't here. He's risen. He's alive again. Don't you remember this is what he told you up in Galilee? Uh, that again he would be crucified and the third day he would rise again. And then they remembered. And when you say to me this morning, preacher, what's it all about? What is Easter Sunday all about? Why, it's all about this. It's about this, that God raised Jesus from the dead on this day centuries ago. God lifted him up from the grave. God resurrected him from death to life again. The greatest miracle that God Almighty ever performed. That's what it means. And I'm sure we thrilled just before as the choir sang that he is risen. This is the resurrection. This is what it means. And you and I may say to ourselves this morning as Christians on this Easter day, do you mean to say that the miracle of Easter, that God raised Jesus from the dead, that it's the greatest miracle that God has ever performed? That's what I said. It is the most important miracle that God has ever performed. It is the most glorious, the most tremendous, the most terrific miracle that God has ever performed. And you and I as Christians may say, wait a minute, preacher. After all, we're Christians and we believe in Christ and we embrace him as our Savior. And yet you say that the miracle of Easter is the greatest, the most important, the grandest, the most glorious miracle that God ever performed. We may say, is it really that important? What's so great about it after all? Uh, what is so tremendous? What's so terrific about the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead? Uh, we may say to us, as long as we're Christians, does it really make any difference? Does it make any difference whether there was an Easter? As long as you and I as Christians have Christ, uh, aren't we saying, what's the difference about this miracle? And yet you're telling us this morning that it was the greatest miracle that God himself ever performed, the most important. May you and I know this this morning on this Easter Sunday, that this miracle of Easter, it is the greatest miracle that God ever performed, the most important. It is the most sublime, the most 
most glorious, the most wonderful for this reason. It makes a tremendous difference regarding you and me as a Christian. It makes this difference. It means that because of that miracle of Easter that you and I are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. We are the most fortunate people alive in the world today. We are the most highly favored people in the world. That's what it means, this resurrection, and that you and I are not, therefore, the most pitiable people in all the world, the most pathetic people, the most tragic people that are alive today. It means just that much difference. You and I may say, do you mean to say that the miracle of Easter, that it's that great, it's that tremendous, it is that important? Yes, sir, I mean that. It means for you and me as Christians that it makes us as the most blessed people on earth, barring none. We are the most fortunate people alive in the world. We who embrace him because of the miracle of Easter. And you may say, prove that, preacher. And in the first place, I would remind you of this, that the miracle of Easter, it gives you and me absolute and solid rock and Gibraltar guarantees that Jesus of Nazareth was beyond question. He was the promised Christ, the Messiah. He was the promised Savior. Supposing, friends, that there had been no Easter, you and I say, but we're Christians. We embrace Christ as Lord and Savior, and we do. What assurance would you and I have that Jesus of Nazareth, who was born of Mary down in Bethlehem, what absolute assurance would you and I have that he was the promised Messiah, that he was the Christ who was to come into the world? You know, the world waited 4,000 years for him. God promised him back in the Garden of Eden to... Adam and Eve, didn't he? And God said again, there would come this seed of the woman. How would you and I know that Jesus of Nazareth, that he was that promised Christ, the promised Savior? Well, you may say to me this morning, well, wait a minute, preacher. After all, wasn't Jesus a descendant of Noah and of his son Shem? And I'd say yes. And you'd say, wasn't he again from the seed of Abraham? He certainly was. And you may say, wasn't he, as the Old Testament testified, wasn't he from the tribe of Judah? And I would say, yes, he was. And you would say, wasn't he from the family of David? And I would say, yes, as the Old Testament said. And you may say, Isaiah said he would be born of a virgin. Wasn't he born of a virgin? I would say, yes. And you may say, Isaiah, in the 53rd chapter, says that he would bear our griefs and carry our sorrows, that he would be sacrificed for us, wasn't he? And I would have to say, yes. And you would say, didn't Micah, 800 years before he came, say that he would be born in Bethlehem? And I would have to say, yes. And then you would say, well, now, wait a minute, preacher. What greater proof would you and I need that Jesus of Nazareth, that child that was born of Mary, that he was this promised Messiah and Savior, and that he was the one that God promised for 4,000 years. And I would say to you, you have no assurance in all the world with all of it. You'd say, why not? I'd say, because you're forgetting something, child. You're forgetting that back in the Old Testament, David prophesied, and he spoke about this seed, this coming Savior, and he said, Thou wilt not abandon my soul unto hell, having this person who was coming to say it. Neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Don't forget, friend, that in the Old Testament it also says that the way you're going to know the Messiah, his body would not see corruption he would rise again from the dead and therefore 
If there had been no Easter miracle, you and I would not be the most favored. You and I would not be the most blessed on this earth. We'd be the most miserable, the most pitiable, because we'd have to say, I don't know whether Jesus of Nazareth was the promised Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, because he didn't rise again. The word of God said the way you're going to know him is going to come back from the grave. Remember when they said to him in his earthly ministry, how do we know you're the Messiah? How do we know you're the one to come? We don't believe you're the Messiah. And he said, I'll give you a sign from heaven. And they want, he said, I'll give you the sign. I'll give you only one. That's all you need, the sign of Jonah. He says that Jonah was in the belly of the fish and came forth. So shall the Son of Man be in the bosom of the earth, and he shall come forth. This is the greatest, the grandest miracle that God Almighty ever performed. Because it gives you and me solid rock assurance that Jesus of Nazareth, that boy that was born of Mary, he was beyond the shadow of a doubt, the promised Messiah. And it makes you and me the most fortunate people on this earth today, barring none, not the most miserable, because it gives us the absolute certainty beyond the shadow of a doubt that your faith and mine in him is not in vain, and it will not fail us in that crucial hour when nothing else will matter. It means this in your life and mine because of the miracle of Easter that when you and I, because we have faith in him and on the day of our death shall stand before God, we will say to ourselves, could God ever say to us, I'm sorry, son, I'm sorry, daughter. You put your faith in Jesus of Nazareth, but he wasn't the Messiah. That can never happen. Your faith and mine will never fail us at that moment when all that matters is do I have Christ or not. We are the most fortunate persons on the face of the earth because of Easter. Because when the day comes and you and I die and we stand before God, God will never say, I'm sorry, but you got your eggs in the wrong basket. I'm sorry, I got your money on the wrong man. Easter says this, he was the Messiah. He was beyond question the Christ. God raised him from the dead. This is the solid rock of Gibraltar certainty that makes us again the envy of the world. Let's fill our position and therefore on this Easter we ought to write it on our souls that the miracle of Easter, it's the greatest, it's the grandest miracle that God ever performed. Why? Because it makes the difference in your life and mine as to whether you and I are the most blessed individuals on the face of the earth or whether we are the most pitiable, the most sad, the most tragic. And the first thing we ought to do then is to say to ourselves, and I'm going to determine, I'm going to believe this miracle of the resurrection. What's sad and tragic today that from many a pulpit in our land and in the world it will be broadcast and it will be sent forth that Jesus didn't rise actually physically from the dead. They're going to be told that this is a figure of speech, that this is again the way you reinterpret scripture. You've got to demythologize it. Uh, this is the way men have simply made him great, but he didn't actually come back. But oh, you and I turn to the record how in God's name would you say it any other way? 
Then again it is said, if he did come back, here was the tomb, Pilate put a guard around it, they couldn't have stolen the body. It was guarded. How in the world can anybody get in there and take the body? When the women went in, it was empty, and here was the linen. It was the way it has, had not even been disturbed, the body was gone. The napkin over the face was folded in its place. How in the world can anybody have stolen the body? And besides all that evidence, the fact that he appeared and Mary Magdalene saw him and the women saw him and that day Peter saw him and the two men going to Emmaus saw him and they had lost all hope. We thought he was the one to redeem Israel, don't you remember? And Jesus said, why are you so blue and downcast? Doesn't the scripture say that he would be crucified and he would rise again? And when it was evening and the day was almost spent, remember when Jesus went in at Emmaus with those two disciples? And then he allowed them to see who he was. He was the risen Christ. Let's believe it. I know it's hard to believe uh, that this Jesus that died came back from the grave but when the disciples saw him and they ate with him and they touched him and they went out and gave their lives for him because they saw him who am I in this 20th enlightened century to deny the body resurrection of Jesus from the dead and that gives you and me as occupying the most blessed position in the world gives us this comfort uh, that again we are not the most pitiable the most pathetic the most tragic people on earth but if he didn't rise we are can you imagine anything more tragic than to be disillusioned in the moment of your death and mine to stand before God having every hope of salvation in Christ to have God say I'm sorry but he wasn't the one you're lost you're damned can you imagine what disillusionment could mean yes you and I are the most tragic people in the world we are to be pitied above all I know the poet has said it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved, but it's better never to have put our faith in Christ than to be disillusioned in the moment of death and to be lost and damned, to be told that he wasn't the Messiah. This is what Easter means. It's the grandest miracle that God Almighty ever performed, body none, because it's the miracle, this miracle in Joseph's garden. It's the miracle that makes you and me the most highly favored individuals on the face of the earth when we have Christ as Lord. And you and I say, does it? To be sure, because, listen, this Easter miracle also in the second place, it gives you and me the absolute, the absolute rock-bottom Gibraltar guarantee that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus in full for our sins. Suppose there had been no resurrection. It had all ended at Calvary. You and I would say, I hope he's the one that died for my sins. I hope that when he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I hope that he really atoned for my guilt and punishment. I hope that he bore hell and damnation in my stead and for all men. I hope that he provided salvation for 1,000 trillion human beings, if that be the number of individuals who have occupied this earth before he comes again. But if there had been no Easter, you and I would say, but he died, and oh my, 
What good's a dead Jesus? What good's a dead Savior? If he died, evidently God didn't accept him. He may have meant well. He probably was most sincere, but again, he probably suffered hallucination. Something was wrong. Oh, I have no doubt we might say, putting the best construction on everything that he meant well. He was sincere, but let me tell you, if he had died and that's all you heard about him, we would have said, oh, he was mistaken. Poor man. Poor man, and when the women went to the tomb, that's a poor man. We had thought, but he wasn't, and his body's going to be smelling, but he is risen. And therefore, you and I, we are the envy of the world, whether we realize our status or not. You and I are the most blessed, fortunate individuals on the face of the earth because of that resurrection, this great miracle God says, I accept in full. This was God's receipt. Yes, on Good Friday, that's when he suffered and died and paid the price. Easter was God saying, here's the receipt, here is my visible proof to the world. I have accepted his great atonement and I have accepted his sacrifice. And again, there is life and salvation in him. And thus we are the greatest of all individuals and the most blessed because we have this rock bottom certainty that you and I, as far as our sins are concerned, through faith in him, uh, that we are not now in our sins. You and I are forgiven. It means when we put our faith in him that we are forgiven, that God's forgiven us. It means that you and I are delivered from hell. It means that right now we have the gift of heaven. It belongs to us. Who is the most envied person in the world? Who is the most fortunate? It's the man that can stand and say, in Jesus Christ, whom God raised up from the dead, I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that I'm delivered from hell. I know right now that eternal life is mine. God accepted his sacrifice and raised him from the dead. This was God's receipt, paid in full. God's got to forgive you and me and him. And on this Easter, we ought to say to ourselves, what is there about Easter that draws us to church? What is there about it? Some of us say, well, I don't go very often. There's something, what is there? May I say to you, friend, there's something, isn't there, that draws a man to church. May I assure you this, that because of the Easter great miracle of God raising him from the dead, you and I ought to say to ourselves, I can go to him and I, it doesn't make any difference how ashamed I am of yesterday, what I've done. I know that because God raised him from the dead and accepted his sacrifice, I know that forgiveness is just as free for me. He offers it to me just as willingly as to any human being on the face of the earth. I don't care who you are. I don't care how ashamed of yesterday you are. I don't care how you've disgraced yourself. I don't care whether you feel and say, oh, there can't be any forgiveness for me. But may I assure you that because of Easter, because God raised him from the dead, there isn't anybody on earth that God would rather forgive and deliver from hell and give assurance of eternal life right now than to you or me. I don't care how ashamed you and I may be of yesterday. Easter in this moment, if you can say, I'm sorry. If you can say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. You can stand in this very moment as being one of the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth. Having the joy of knowing that that's peace with God. The joy of knowing that all, everything is all right. What is Easter all about? What does it mean, we say, and we... Wonder what's it all about. Listen, Easter means this. It's the miracle that took place in Joseph's garden. God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the greatest, the grandest, the most important miracle that God ever performed. 
Why? Because it's the one miracle that makes a tremendous difference in your Christian life and mine. It's the miracle that makes you and me the most blessed persons on the face of the earth, the most fortunate, the most highly favored, rather than to be the most pitiable, the most pathetic, the most forlorn, the most God-forsaken people that ever lived. You may say, is that so? Yes, because remember this, that the miracle of Easter, it gives you and me the solid rock, the Gibraltar absolute certainty and guarantee that Jesus Christ conquered the grave the last enemy. You and I say, supposing there hadn't been an Easter, wouldn't we, because we still have Christ be saved, wouldn't we? Would you have any certainty that Christ conquered the grave and say that grave, let me tell you, that grave spoils everything, doesn't it? That grave's got a sting. We don't believe it, ask somebody that's got a loved one in that grave. That stings. You say, but didn't Jesus raise Jairus' daughter? Sure. Say, didn't he raise the young man? Named? Sure he did. Didn't he raise Lazarus when he was dead for four days? Sure he did. But if he didn't raise himself, you and I would stand at the grave and we'd say, grave, you must be stronger than he is. If he couldn't come back, how can he bring me back? Let's face it. He didn't conquer the grave, that damnable enemy of yours and mine. That grave that you and I are going to sleep in someday. That grave that you and I don't want to hear about. That grave that you and I say, that's where the other guy's going, but I'm not. That grave's got a sting, brother, let me tell you. Those fangs, they burn. They burn. If you don't believe it, ask anybody here who's got a loved one in a grave. You and I say, but what about Easter? He came back. God raised him, and Scripture says he raised himself either way. He conquered this grave. And because of Easter, that makes you and me the most blessed, absolutely the most fortunate individuals on the face of earth, because it gives us the absolute certainty that our loved ones who have died, they haven't perished. They have gone to heaven and their bodies will be raised up at the last day. And don't you and I ever forget it. When our loved ones bid us adieu, they went to heaven to be with their Lord. He conquered the grave. And you and I have the certainty that at the last day he will raise up their bodies regardless of where the rashes may be. Why? Because he raised his own. God raised him from the dead. That's what it means. He took the sting out of death. This afternoon, if you're going to take some of these lilies that you've got here and you're going out to the cemetery, why don't you look down at the grave and say, Listen, grave, do you think you've conquered my loved one? I want you to know you have not. I know that you're damnable and you think you have and you've got a fang and you sting, but listen, grave, I've got a Christ who conquered you. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You haven't got it. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus we are the most enviable people in the world. 
We are the greatest. We are the most blessed. Why? Because of Easter. Oh, it may not have the childish charm of Christmas, and it doesn't. But when you've got a loved one in that grave, believe you me, it makes a difference, doesn't it? That ought to mean this and on Easter when we go to the grave, we ought to say, when I weep my tears and I'll weep buckets, but there will not be one tear of hopelessness. There will be tears, yes, of sorrow, but no hopelessness because of the Easter miracle, my Lord. He came back. He conquered the grave. Oh, yes, what a difference. And to know, therefore, that now the cemetery, it's a beautiful word, cemetery, it's a sleeping place. It's a place where we deposit the bodies of our loved ones. When you and I and our families have got some lying at death's door, waiting to be called, when some of us have had them already called, let me tell you we can stand and we can weep buckets and we do as Jesus wept, but no tears of hopelessness because we're going to see them again. We're going to see them again. I was in the catacombs in Rome, 70 feet underground where thousands of the early Christians were buried. And let me tell you, when you get down and they dug those catacombs with their hands and they buried their dead and they worshipped down there, they went underground and there were the tombs and they worshipped in the tomb, but oh, they thought they were the most fortunate people in the world. Why? Because written on the walls in the catacombs, you see the word, leave it. Leave it, leave it. He lives. He lives. And I wonder if you realize that from the catacombs, because they worship among the tombs, we brought the tomb out of the catacomb to remind us Christian. Did you ever look at that altar? You know that that table of that altar, that's a tomb. That's a burial vault. Did you know that? You may say, as you look at it, you mean to say, Pastor, that that's a very, yeah, that came out of the catacombs, the idea. In the church, the altar table is a tomb. And you may say, where is there any comfort? But oh, look above it, won't you please? See the cross? That's Good Friday. There is where he suffered and died for you and me. And then look at the cross again, will you? You notice that the corpus, the body, is not on the cross and that symbolizes, here's the cross when he died, but the body is gone, he lives. You may go out the cemetery. You may have loved ones in the grave. You've got boys in Vietnam. We've got boys, whether they're in prison camps, we don't know. They may be dead. But let me tell you, for Easter, we can still say we are the most blessed we are the most fortunate individuals on the face of the earth because wherever they are, even underground, even in graves, nevertheless, the empty cross, yet says, we're going to meet them again. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, because I live, ye shall live also. We can walk the glory road today firm, realizing we are the most blessed, the most fortunate people in the world. We can sing, oh, he lives. Vive it. He lives. Hallelujah. Jesus lives. Oh, what a status. 
What a miracle, the greatest that God ever performed, so that you and I can be the most fortunate individuals as Christians on the face of the earth. God bless you and me that we can sing hallelujah regardless of death to loved ones. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.